You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. But you know there's a black hole at the center of our Milky Way galaxy that eventually is going to destroy us all. But we'll probably be dead by then. In fact, we'll definitely be dead because math is really good. Check out, the, check out this picture. This is not the, the black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. That black hole at the center of our galaxy is way too close for us to take a picture of it like we did last week. Actually, we took it in 2017, but it took two years to crunch the numbers with algorithms and a whole half ton of computer hard drives. Seriously, that's how many hard drives it took to figure out this giant math problem to make this image of the black hole, which is actually in the Messier object, whose number is... Is it 87? <laughs> Nerd. I love you. Uh, do you know that, that it's na- they named it after a Hawaiian god? It's called Poehi now, which is like the king of darkness <laughs> is what this, what this is called. Uh, I'm going to check your math because I took notes. Um, it's Messier object. Uh, where is it? 87. Justin, he knows his stuff. It's 55 million light years away. It's 100 billion kilometers wide. um, And it's larger than the entire solar system, our entire solar system. And it weighs 6.5 billion times more than our sun. That's not a precise term because it has a bit larger mass. Things don't weigh stuff in outer space. Weight has to do with gravity, blah, blah, blah. I want you to know about this because I think that the fact that the Wednesday before Holy Week, the fact that we that we got a picture of a black hole for the first time is incredibly poetic. Just just perfect for Holy Week because it's this darkness that can now be seen. It's a no pun intended thing, right? Oh, and it's also Holy Week. That's what that's what Thomas said. Yo, I don't boo puns. I don't boo puns. Lent and Holy Week especially are like a time for us to get a a good topography of our personal darkness. Get a good star chart of all the black space around the light in your life. Because there's plenty of light and and it's good to live and walk in the light. I, I think that's good. We're letting the light in. But then what does it brighten up you know what does it shine a light on that was in darkness you know when you put the flashlight in the corner of the basement that is your heart what's there you know mildew cockroaches dust cobwebs nasty stuff you know and i think i think that our insides are like that too if they don't have light on them if we don't talk about them, if we don't consider them, if we don't think about them, if, if we don't pray about them, if we don't let Jesus be next to them, they're going to be real nasty. Otherwise, you're beautiful. Otherwise, the places that you're, the light shines, it's great. You're doing great. I love you. You're, be- you're, you're totally beautiful. But there, there's darkness in you, and that's okay. This image of a black hole is actually amazingly beautiful. And, and, and part of what is especially beautiful for me is that it was a collaboration of more than 200 scientists over the course of 13 years to create this one image. It's kind of amazing. They worked 
they actually worked with, uh, they took eight telescopes and they linked them up. Um, they synchronized their atomic clocks, which is the most precise way to keep time, so that they could all take data that was emanating from this black hole 55 billion light years away, mil no, only, only a million, 55 million light years away, and then they get all this data, and somehow that data turns into this picture. They write an algorithm to figure out how it works. And, and the reason is because the space-time continuum is jacked up around a black hole. Light doesn't behave the way it ought to. So if we're going to make any sense of it, we have to, like, do math. <laughs> I just love... Okay, Pat earlier was going, like, it was going way over my head. It goes way over my head, too. I watched, like, five YouTube videos about it. I, I understand enough to know that I don't understand, and I love it. Like, I want to go close to that thing. It's drawing me from 55 million light years away. I want to be close to that darkness. I want to know more about it. And I hope that you can have that kind of attraction to your own darkness. I hope that you're going to get curious um, about what, what might happen if you put some light on that stuff that always stays dank and dark inside of you. We've been working on that all during Lent. Lent is this, this season of spiritual fitness that we, we work on before Easter. Easter's coming up. It's only seven days away, April 21st. It's going to be amazing. Come be with me at 6 a.m. on Lemon Hill. Dan, you going to be there too? Dan's going to be there. Some, some, John, you going to be there? Yeah, there's, people are going to be there. Like 300 people are going to be there from all over Circle of Hope. Anyway, back to the darkness. We're not quite there yet. We're not to the joy of Easter. We're here at the beginning of Holy Week, the beginning of Betrayal Week, the beginning of Death Week, the beginning of Black Hole Week. Jesus is walking into Jerusalem, and he's, you know, once he crosses the line into the city, it's like the event horizon. You know what the event horizon of a black hole is? That's the edge that you're seeing there. We're not actually seeing the black hole. We're seeing the edge of the black hole. And actually, the event horizon is slightly on the inside, and there's all kinds of math to blah, blah, blah. I'm too, I'm too interested, and I don't know enough to say anymore. <laughs> um, but the event horizon is the line of no return, out of which not even light or radiation can escape. The, the, the center of a black hole is so impossibly dense that it even sucks light in. And Jesus is walking into Jerusalem. The light of the world is walking in to Jerusalem, the Messiah, the chosen one of Israel that has come to redeem all things, is walking into Jerusalem. And that's it. He, he's gonna die. When he does that, he knows that he's gonna die. I'm gonna I wanna I wanna focus on the 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 um the telling of it in Luke. And you know how the gospels work, there are four gospels, and this that's this story gets told in all four of them when Jesus walks into Jerusalem in different ways. But in Luke, he starts walking towards Jerusalem in chapter 10, like halfway through the book. Okay, it's time to walk towards my death. I'm going to start walking towards Jerusalem. And lots of stuff happens along the way in the story, but essentially the whole book is about his death. The whole book is about what does his death mean? Why did he do it? What happened? What was he trying to say when he did it? So, Jesus walks into Jerusalem, and he knows that he's going to die. Uh, he's not exactly sure how, probably, 
but he's he's sure that his enemies are gonna are gonna swallow him up like a black hole. Let me read to you Luke nineteen twenty eight through forty. He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you'll find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they bought it, and they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed! is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Sound familiar? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teachers, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So Jesus is coming in, and instantly he's getting this rebuke from the people in Israel who are in charge of keeping things right. And they play an important part. They are resisting assimilation by the Roman Empire. The Pharisees are an important part of keeping the community identity intact. Without the Pharisees, there might not be any Jewish people at this point. They're, they're carrying the torch of what it means to be a Jew under occupation. They're important people. But their eyes are hidden from the real light. Jesus is sad when he walks into Jerusalem. Right after this, it says that he, he looks over Jerusalem and he weeps because, let me see, he says, hmm, I'm skipping around here in my manuscript and I, I lost where it is. He says, if only you, you had been able to, to know, essentially. If only you knew what you're refusing to know. But you, you don't know. Your eyes are hidden. I don't have the exact quote right now. That's right before this part. So, what are our eyes hidden from is kind of my question. That's my good question for tonight. What's the black hole of stuff? You know, what is, the, what is the thing that keeps you from, from seeing the light coming right into your place? What, what are you kind of swallowing up and hiding down? This is too big to answer in a big group, so I'll give it a little bit more uh, tangible in a second. But that's kind of the big idea, is what is dark that we refuse to let any, any, any light into? Or even if the light comes right into it, if Jesus, the light of the world, comes right into it, what you're gonna how how will you swallow it up? How will you keep your eyes hidden like like the Pharisees did? What are you so committed to that 
any new information does not compute. It might even be Christianity. It might even be the type of Christianity that you, you practice. Good theology could keep you kind of like a black hole from letting the living Lord right into your life. So, fast forward to the end of the week, Luke 23. Here's another crowd. Maybe even some of the same people are in this crowd. And Pilate, who is the, the Roman governor, is consulting with Herod, who is the puppet king of Israel. Doesn't have any real power, but gets consulted on religious matters. And this is a religious matter because Jesus has been arrested and he's like done something wrong religiously. Uh, so they take him to Herod, but Herod, as you'll see, doesn't have anything to say about it. So here's what, here's what it goes on. Here it says in Luke 23. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people, and after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us, looking, Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man! And release to us Barabbas, a man who has been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had murdered, who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they had asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. So I was asking you kind of like a personal question, like what is such a black hole in you that you're gonna, that you're gonna swallow up the light? I think it's kind of a silly way to ask the question. Because none of this stuff happens in the story in an, on an individual level. It's all happening in a group. The power of the moment. Hosanna! That, that amazing kind of crazy parade is a group project. We get, we get as excited as we are in a group. It's hard to, to whip up that kind of enthusiasm just by yourself, unless you're a particularly enthusiastic person. We need each other. We feed off each other. This is how we're made to get hype about something. You know, if you were the, like, you know, there's not a giant uproar in the city of Philadelphia when someone wins a cricket tournament. You know? Because we're not cricket people. That's not how we roll. In Bangladesh, it's probably another story. But here in, here in Philadelphia region, we need someone to win the Super Bowl. I did. I'm not forgetting. Still champions in my heart. Um, so, uh, likewise, when they're shouting crucify, this terrible thing that's happening, the light of the world getting swallowed up by this black hole is not an individual project. This is not just Pilate saying, all right, let's blame it on him. It's not just the chief priests. It's not just their decision. They don't have enough power to pull that off. They need the crowds to be shouting crucify. They need the group to be saying, listen, this is what we want. And Pilate 
you know, went down in history as a kind of weak-willed person because of this moment. But he's, you know, he's not going to have an insurrection on his hands, you know. He's, you know, maybe a couple years towards retirement, for all we know. Not gonna, not gonna, not gonna have an insurrection over one one man's life. That doesn't make any difference to him. So he, he, but they need that that kind of threat of riot to really pull off the uh, the crazy thing, to pull off the death of this innocent person, Jesus Christ. So, I think this is this this is true, and it's kind of like our superpower. We have this capacity to connect and be connected to others, to be emotionally connected to someone, to, to take their point of view and make it our own, to, to lift up a common cause. Um, and it is also like, you know, just like every superpower has its super evil, evil, what do they call the the evil super, super villain superheroes? Everyone has their super villain. Um, I was watching a YouTube video this week that talked about how it's uncanny that in the the Marvel comic universe on 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 in the movies the good guys are always fighting bad guys that have the exact same powers as them, <laughs> or even look exactly like them. Like in Iron Man two, he's fighting Whiplash. Or in Black Panther, he's fighting Black Panther. <laughs> you know? Um, so th this capacity that we have to do good with our common collective, our common cause, is is just as often a terrible, terrible thing. So what do we do about that? Um, first, I want to kind of get, get you talking a little bit. Maybe, maybe share a story about uh, a time when you got caught up in the moment. You got caught up in the, the crowd. I'll, I'll start us off. I told this this morning, too. But uh, this is a confession. When I was in third grade, I had just moved to a small town where I wanted to fit in. And I was not fitting in very well. And I actually missed my old friends much more than I thought I did. Like, as an adult, I can look back and say, oh, shoot, I was really grieving. We moved across the country. I got dislocated completely. And I was totally unaware of that in the moment. But this, this time in my life was one of the most tumultuous ever. You know, 10 years old. Worst time of my life. Means I've had a pretty good life since then. Um, but uh, there was a guy in the class who was like, kind of like one of the, one of those smelly kids, you know? You know, smelly kid, parents don't wash their clothes or whatever, totally not his fault kind of thing. Parents, uh, I definitely knew his parents were poor. Um, because he lived in the trailer park and that wasn't the good part of town and his name was Donnie and uh, is that what it was this morning? Is that still his name? Yeah, the, oh yeah, dude, that, that's right because I was, I was it's red out that I had to say which is for his red hair so Donnie had a particularly special kind of cooties that if, if, you, if you contracted it, you needed to pass it on to someone else in a terrible game of tag. You had the Donnie cooties. And, uh, but you could make yourself safe by calling Red out, because he had red hair, and you were safe from his, his disease. And I participated <laughs> in that with gusto, you know? <laughs> I didn't invent it, but I, but I did participate. I got caught up in the crowd, got caught up in the moment. Do you, do you have any stories like that, maybe from third grade or maybe from last week? Last week would be uh, uh, much more of a confession, but maybe necessary. 
favorite symbols for is it a kid and already able to be Travis. And he was also like this mellow kid. He was he was he was an easy target. And I guess I was just kinda glad I wasn't the target, you know. And that could go with part of it. I was kinda like, Yeah, this is the common enemy. Go yeah, let's go after this guy. <laughs> but I remember like getting into a fight with him, you know, and like I like I I punched him really didn't really punch anybody. Hmm. And it was an old horse pool in the world. And I still, like, I found him on Facebook, like, 15 years later, and I'm like, dude, I am so sorry for, like, all the... What did he say? He was he was cool about it. He's like, eh, it's cool, man. We're kids, you know? <laughs> uh. He's like, he, he's, he's got, like, a, a, a wrestling podcast now that he does. He's like, he's, he's cool. He's dope. He also reach out to the up with him after after that though i seem to remember us like we were like this is stupid yeah but it was i think it was a little while later was it but it was yeah definitely getting caught up because everybody else was making fun of us and i was like yeah big brother this guy not me glad it's not me but it doesn't have to be a confession you could also say um i don't care about the eagles at all but i was definitely at the parade you didn't go to the parade frank you're that much of a curmudgeon. Where's your superpower? Come on, you, what are you going to connect to? I got a positive one. Uh, it was actually <clears throat> three Easter's ago. Here. Uh, as uh, Here at Circle of Hope. I'm, I'm one of these people that's definitely skeptical of the crowd. So I resist going with the crowd all the time. To it, like, definitely to my detriment um but three easters ago uh we had an easter sunday evening service and we were in the other room in here and um we were worshiping the resurrected christ and i was on the fence about it and i didn't i wasn't i was really trying not to buy into the the crowd so to speak you know because the people were there and the people had their hands up and they were singing songs and it was, you know, and <clears throat> I went with it. I like kind of finally was like, okay, I'll go with it, crowd. And I, cl- I totally believe that I had a real encounter with the risen Jesus that, that night. And it has just totally set me off on a completely different course in my life. Wow. Three years ago. And it was just coming here. And just finally going with the crowd for once. I might let the McGowan brothers be the polarities, but give you one more chance if you want to get your story in. I want to ask you another question, so let me keep going here. So you can hate yourself for this capacity that you have, and I think that um, we might be tempted to because there's another story going. There are some Pharisees that are keeping a culture here in our our space and time here in the United States, people that are responsible for, for influencing us and in how we think. And they'd really like us to believe that we are independent, individuals, uh, autonomous selves. That's the ideal human being. 
But Jesus says when he's describing what it means to be a human being, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is in Mark 12. And I, you can put that up there, Deja, that, that, that one with the pictograms. You can look that over while I'm talking about it. He says what it means to be a human is that you're actually, you are connected. You know, that the main way to love and be loved includes loving your neighbor. And uh, I mean, uh, my, this is that answer I was talking about that I'd like you to try on is, yeah, this is how you are. And it's kind of common sense, I think. Like, of course, I'm affected by the people around me and I affect them. You know, that when you shift on the couch, Ryan can feel it, Karan, right? Or does that couch just have really good suspension? Can you feel that, Ryan? He just moved a little bit. I see you moving when he moves. So I think my hypothesis is correct. <laughs> so, you know, when you do something in your neighborhood, when you don't do something in your neighborhood, when you support something that impacts other people, when you don't support something that impacts other people, there's all kinds of ways that we're kind of made for each other. And we, we, we are social people it's actually what made us as amazing as we are because we're able we're able to collaborate across continents with 200 different scientists over 13 years and get a picture of a black hole that's 55 million light years away kind of amazing capacity for connection and collaboration that human beings have but we give me one second but we have this other story that that says you're supposed to be an individual an autonomous self totally without any kind of impact anyone could have on me. I am what I decide. My story is the one I say it is. And if you were to do something else, you'd be weak or you'd be dissatisfied. But I say embrace that for its good and for its ill. It is how we are. And I think this is what Jesus is telling us. Yes, you are influenced. Yes, your neighbors affect you. And yes, you affect them. So... Let's do it on purpose, can we? Can we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, mind, and love our neighbor as ourself, like on purpose? Because there's so much, there's so much story happening not on purpose. We're so influenced by things that we're not even examining. So much stuff gets into us and gets into our story without even any light on it at all. So we need a place to have a dialogue and say, hey, what's going on? Wait a second. Is this happening? Is there, look, let me put some light on this. I'm not too sure about this message that I'm getting. Am I really an autonomous self? Do I really have no impact in the world? Can I really just sit here in my room and it won't mean anything to anybody? No, that's not how you are. That's not who you are. It's not who you were meant to be. And probably you have a bigger impact even in that utter isolation. You have a bigger impact than you think. You live in the United States. You use electricity. You use water. You're part of a lot of different systems of connection and interconnection than, than, than you realize. Even if you're just being a normal human in the 21st century in the United States, you're already way connected and way impacting lots of people all over the world. So let's do it on purpose. Since it's going to happen anyway, let's let's love on purpose. Let's be connected on purpose. Let's shine a light on the way that we're connected and do something about it that we want to do. I mean, we won't be able to do everything we want to do, but we will be able to do something 
and, and not pretend that there's nothing we can do or that there's nothing that we're already doing. Am I making sense? Yeah? So let's think about it. Thomas wanted to say something, but maybe maybe he can twist what he's going to say to answer this question. Um, how are you going to love your neighbor as you... How, how are you already loving your neighbor as yourself? This is not tooting your own horn. This is celebrating the connection that you already have as a means of amplifying it and putting more light on it so you can do it better and with more intention. Can you tell me some ways that you're loving your neighbor as yourself? Or maybe that you have a mind to do, that you've always wanted to do? I'm in a cell. Yes, you're in a cell. Tell us more. What is that? Cells are probably the coolest thing that we do at Circle of Hope. Right, Alex? Alex, looking at me like, yeah. Cells are, we, we meet, we get together every week, uh, eight, nine, ten of us, and uh, we try to center around this. We try to figure out how, to, how do we live that commandment in the 21st century. We ask good questions, and um, we try to, sometimes we even do stuff. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really, it's a really great thing. Yeah, you're going to Jess's Paint uh, fundraiser, right? That's right. Yeah, do that. Hey, y'all want to, Jess, what are you doing about raising money for what, huh? I'm uh, hosting the Paint to raise money for this foundation Loving your neighbor as yourself. People become Christians themselves too. So put that out there. Isn't that so precious? Folks who live before 24-hour grocery stores and instant delivery of everything, you might have more experience. How many people have uh, asked for asked their neighbor for a cup of sugar? Anyone ever done that? Uh, oh, nice. nice. It's good. Because you could just drive to the 24-hour grocery store. It's South Jersey. Something's open. You know? Just right down the road. I have to go around a jug handle to get there. Uh, tell me more. Tell me a few more. We got we got time for a few more here. Again, the reason we're doing this is we want to do it on purpose. We have an impact, for good or for ill. Let's do it on purpose for good. <coughs> yeah. I have an honor system. My friend Eric has been like a thread. Um, 
We're, we're good at buying each other's next meal. Hey. I like that. Real simple. Trust it for yeah. next time. And if it's like whatever comes up, if one person's like kind of low on money, the other kind of person will get up after that. And there's not really this like, you come out even, but there's not really. There's no accounting. Yeah. Accounting where it's like, oh, because it's just kind of like flexible. You feel free just to kind of help the person out and if you need. It's a lot cooler that we do. Cool. I really care about my, my watershed. I live on Newton Creek, so I have a vested interest in its health and it's not particularly healthy as an ecosystem. Uh, and so I was out last week with the Haddon Township middle school students cleaning trash up out of the water. Um, and I was, it was fun because I, I, went, I commuted to this event in my kayak. <laughs> and so then I was in the water and getting the stuff that they couldn't get out and I was like kind of flinging it to them with my paddle. It was a lot of fun to love my neighbor. And I, and I wasn't planning on hanging out with middle, middle school kids. It, it, was, it was organized by the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. And I'm just like on their Facebook page. And I showed up and I'm like, okay, all right. I'm cleaning up trash with 12-year-olds. Silence, you're loving all these people who are uncomfortable <laughs> with are, the yeah, awkward. Yeah, if you're yeah, uncomfortable with the awkward <laughs> silence, he just silence. loved you. <laughs> <laughs> he did it just for you, and I mean, you did it on purpose because he was you. <laughs> Thanks, Garag. All right, fine. <laughs> I'll come up with a better question next time. Or maybe, but maybe take this question back. Maybe it's kind of hard to put yourself um, kind of on blast like that. It's, it's, it's um, but my, my idea was that to like say, oh, I said the thing. I do this thing. <clears throat> but even just, even crossing that threshold. So if you can't do it in front of the big group while we're eating the, the, the chips and vegetables back there, or like in your cell meeting or with your spouse later, just say, I'm, this is what I did to love my neighbor as myself. Um, not because you need to be seen.
doing it. Though that might be how you're organized psychologically, and that's a whole other story. But because the world needs to see people doing this, and I think we're kind of caught up in a bit of a black hole. All of the light gets swallowed by a bunch of stories cycling past our faces on blue lights and um, all the cynicism that my poet friend was saying was swallowing us up in the city. So it's really hard. It, you, you might miss the fact that you're being loved or that you could love. And, and so this is my corrective. It was like, I'm doing the thing. <laughs> Want to try it with me? Let's try it. Let's try to actually have an impact on the world. And, and shine bright enough and like take the calculations you know really tune our tune our telescopes into that light and the love that we're putting out into the world and doing it on purpose together that's the idea so bring, bring that to your circles and I, and I hope that it has a good impact thanks for listening to circle of hopes sunday meeting podcast if you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.